by Reverend Dr. Raj Das on Sajeeva Vahini. This audio series is also available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts. Listen, share and subscribe. Dear friends, it's a great joy for me to meet you this day also. And I want to talk to you about the dynamics of intercessory prayer. To bank my message on a particular verse, let me refer to Ephesians 3rd chapter. I'll read to you from 14 to 21. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts with through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, by way of introduction, Ephesus was a city in the Roman province of Asia with a population of 2,50,000 people. It was full of black magic and cult and the largest city in the Mediterranean world. Famous for the great buildings like Temple of Artemis, Library of Celsius and Amphitheater. St. Paul was the one who brought the gospel to the city in AD 52. He left Aquila and Priscilla to carry on the work as he had to go to some other place. During his third missionary journey, he came to Ephesus. He was there for two years taking care of the church. Initially, he preached in the synagogue, later in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. From this, the, from this base, the gospel was able to go to other cities all around. When Paul departed, he left Timothy to take care of the ministry there. Later, John, the apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, he was at Ephesus, having his jurisdiction over the seven churches in Asia Minor. Now, this letter was written to the people at Ephesus by St. Paul when he was in prison. The main theme of this letter was, Christ has reconciled all creations to himself and God. Christ has united people from all nations to himself and to one another. This was accomplished through the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Though he was in prison, look at the burden that he had for the people at Ephesus. Look at the intercessory prayer that he offered for the people at Ephesus. And he wrote to them that this was the prayer that he offered. Dear friends, if we have to offer prayers for other, others, if we have to offer prayers for others, intercede for others, we must know that we should have a prayer life. We should have the presence of God. And when we pray for certain points for others to be benefited with, we must know that we must have those points in our life. So here we see Paul praying for this church at Ephesus, and we can learn a lot of things from this particular intercessory prayer that he offered. So I want to place before you dynamics of intercessory prayer. Dynamic number one, if you look at verse 14 and 15, he says, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Bowing the knees, means a person is kneeling before king, somebody who is of great authority and before God that speaks about humility. When we come to God, we must realize who we are and who God is. Unless we are humble enough, we cannot reach out to God. Isaiah writes about God and he says, 
Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. And what is the temple that you're building for me? And I will look at a person who trembles at my word. So dear friends, when we approach God, we must be able to humble ourselves before God. And the second point that he, we look at that particular portion is, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth are named. When we come to God, we must understand, as saved children, we are part of the family of heaven and earth. It's now two families. In Jesus Christ, with the help of the Holy Spirit, in God, we become one family. So when we go to God, we must have this understanding of being humble. And also, we are reaching out to God the Father, who is the Father of the family of heaven and earth. Dynamic 2, verse 16 that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through the spirit of the inner man. We have the outer man and the inner man. And St. Paul says, though our outer man perishes, we are strengthened in the inner man as days pass by. So, dear friends, when we come to God, God is able to make us strong in the inner person. So in Ephesians 1, 3, he says, Blessed be God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You know, when we come to God seeking God, we have all the blessings that we need for our spiritual well-being as well as what we need for this world, the material blessings. The first is the spiritual blessing. All the spiritual blessings that we need are in Jesus Christ in the heavenlies. So when we come to God, we must understand that God can grant to us all the blessings that he can give to us through the word of God. And also, we will be strengthened, the inner man. To be strengthened with might through the spirit in the inner man. Dear friends, I tell you, the Holy Spirit is the one who can really strengthen us in the inner person. We need not lose heart. Though our outer man perishes, the inner man is strengthened by the Holy Spirit. So we will be able to come closer to God and receive all that God has prepared for us. So when we go through the problems that we might face in the ministry and personal life, we must understand the inner man is very, very important. When the inner man is strong, we can go through any ordeal and come out successful in our spiritual life. There was a missionary who went to Africa and as he was laboring there, a lot of opposition was there. One day there was a knock at the door and uh, he knew the enemies were, were there. Many people had come there with their javelin and with their uh, implements of war. They wanted to kill him. He took his little baby in his hand and he went there and stood before them. And they wanted to spear him. They wanted to send the spear into his own chest. And he just opened his shirt and said, come on, go ahead. They threw the javelin. It came and hit on the chest and he fell down. He did not penetrate his own heart. And these men began to say, this man is having a lion in him. The lion of Judah was in him. So dear friends, when the inner man is strong, we can face any ordeal that might come along in our path. The dynamic three that St. Paul speaks about is in verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. When a person receives Jesus Christ as a savior, he comes into stay. We must be careful to keep our faith. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If a person hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. He would not want to come in as an occasional visitor. He comes in to stay. How to have his presence in our hearts? Jesus says, if a person loves me, my father will love him. And we will come and make our abode with him. So when we love him, we will obey him. And the father will come and stay with us. So when Jesus comes in to stay, we must be careful to keep him there. 
So here the word of God says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Faith and clean conscience go together. When we keep our faith, we would be able to have the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ always in our hearts. When we look at the gift of the Holy Spirit and fruit of the Holy Spirit, faith comes in both. So when a person believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is given. One component is faith. It is a part of our life. We believe in God. We believe in the word of God. We believe in Jesus. He begins to dwell in us. At the same time, the faith also is given as a gift. That is to be used when there is a ministry. We have to use the gift of the Holy Spirit, gift of fruit for certain ministry. But at the same time, faith should be continuously in our heart. Faith must be kept up with pure conscience. St. Paul says, hold the mystery of faith with a pure conscience. Content for the faith once delivered to the saints. This is written by Jude in his epistle. The faith is the whole, um, the word of God that has been given about God. We have to have our faith on God and God's word. So here he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. Jesus gave his life for us. God loved us so much, he sent his son Jesus Christ into this world who loved us and he gave his life for us. The same um, in the epistle to Ephesians, St. Paul says about Jesus' uh, love, he loved the church, gave himself for it. So we must be rooted and grounded in love, rooted and grounded. Jesus is a cleft rock, our roots of love must be able to penetrate into him, we'll be strong there. If our love for Jesus is shallow, we'll just be washed away when there is a wind. So we must be rooted. Rooted is to cast, to strike root, to strengthen with roots, to render firm, to fix, to establish, cast a person or a thing to be thoroughly grounded. So we must be rooted and grounded in love. And also we have to keep the word of God, keep the faith, keep, speaks about, to attend carefully, to take care of, to guard, so, dear friends, we must be able to keep the word of God in our hearts, keep faith in our God. The word of God is Jesus. We have to have faith in our heart. We have to have Jesus Christ in our heart. And how to be rooted and grounded in love? When Jesus loves us, the love must be reciprocated. We have to tell the Lord daily, Lord, I love you. When I pray, I always tell the Lord, Lord, I love you. Help me to love you more. We must be rooted and grounded in love. The fourth dynamic is found in verse 18. That we may be able to comprehend with all the saints the love of Christ. Jesus loves us. We try to love him with the little love that we have. And we must be able to pray and say, Lord, give me more love to you. At the same time, may be able to comprehend with all saints the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Compre comprehend is katalambano in Greek. He speaks about lay hold of something to make its own, make that our own, to obtain, to attain, to take uh, of, of something and appropriate it. So we must understand the love of God. Here he says that we may be able to comprehend with all saints the love of Christ. With all saints the love of Christ. Individually, independently, we cannot fully fathom the love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We cannot fully comprehend. When we love one another, the love of God is perfected in us. So when we love one another, join hands with the saints, we can understand at least to some extent the immensity of God's love. Collectively we understand. So we must be able to love one another. 
You know, in Christian families, even in churches, there are a lot of unlove going on. People are not able to understand one another. They are not able to love one another. Lot of hatred is there. In such situations, we can never comprehend the fullness of God's love. And we have to understand the uh, dimensions of God's love. What are the dimensions of Christ's love? What is the width, the length, the depth, and the height of God's love? You know, we cannot fully comprehend it. But when I was meditating on the cross one day, a few points have been given to me by the Holy Spirit to understand the dimension, to understand the dimensions of God's love shown to us in Jesus Christ. Let me explain it. When we come to the cross, we understand the width of God's love. The horizontal bar in the cross speaks about the width of God's love. If you read Psalm 103.10, there the word of God says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. When we come to the cross of Jesus Christ, we can understand, we can appear before God as if we are not committed any sin at all. It's not to become proud, but understand God's immense love. So he forgives, he forgets, he forgets that he ever forgave. Somebody said that the grace of God will take our sin and make it as a bundle. Keep it on our shoulder. Take it to God's ocean of love. And uh, take that bundle of sin, tie it with a rock and drown it in the water. And put a boat, no fishing. When our sins are forgiven, we should not fish them out. When the grace comes along, if we ask, the, ask Sister Grace, Sister Grace, where have you laid my sins? She will say, I'm sorry I forgot. So, dear friends, God forgives, He forgets, He forgets ever He forgave. This is the width of God's love. What is the length of Christ's love? Hosea 11, 1 to 4, if you read, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. But the more I called Israel, the farther they went away from me. They sacrificed to Baals, and they burned incense to images. I taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by their arms. But they did not know that I healed them. I drew them with gentle cords, with bands of love. And I was to them as those who take the yoke from off their neck. I stooped and fed them. Now when God was loving the people of Israel, there he just, he symbolizes it and tells that he was trying to cover them, trying to bind them with a cord of love. I imagine God's love is like a rope. He makes a lasso, puts it across and tries to pull us. The more we run, he tries to pull us back. We must understand the length of God's love. God waits for us. He loves us so much. Unless we taste the love of Jesus, we would never understand these concepts. When we come to the cross, we can definitely understand this love that God has for us. I remember the testimony of a brother whose name was Mukherjee. He was in Andhra Pradesh. I knew him very well. And before his salvation, he was a very hard man. He would not respond to the love of anybody. One day he got upset with his family situation. Maybe his parents were trying to control him. He wanted to run away. He took some money and took a suitcase and packed a few things and he was boarding a bus. His mother came running and said, Sonny, don't go. He would not look at her. Then he went to the railway station. He entered into a train. The mother came there again and she was pleading. The train was moving out. He was pleading, Sonny, don't go, don't go. He would not even look at his mother. Such a wicked, hard-hearted person was touched by the love of Jesus. His whole life was transformed. He began to do God's work. 
So dear friends, God's love is like a rope. He puts a lasso. We run away from God, but he pulls us back. We must understand God's length of love, the depth of Christ's love. How do we understand the depth of Christ's love? Dear friends, when Jesus was crucified on the cross, the bottom of the cross is important. It is underneath the ground. It is hidden. The depth of God's love is hidden. When Jesus died on the cross, he began to pray, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But between 12 and 3 o'clock, there was darkness over the whole world. This is how I understand. The darkness of hell came upon engulfed the whole cross. Jesus died carrying our sins on him. And he was tasting death for every man in the bottom of hell. And in that situation, when he began to cry, cry when he began to pray, he couldn't call God Father. He said, my God, my God, why has he forsaken me? There is no sinner who is so dirty a sinner who cannot be forgiven. Anybody, any sinner can be forgiven. We must understand that's the depth of God's love because Jesus took upon him our sin and he died on the cross. He tasted death for every man. He tasted death for every man. People may not accept his salvation. They may go away. But at the same time, when we understand his love, we can definitely fathom or at least understand some depth of God's love. When a great man of God named C.T. Studd, a missionary, went to China, he was preaching God's word there. And uh, after the meeting was over, he found a man sitting down on the ground like a stone. His face was so uh, grumpy and grousy. And C.T. Studd went and spoke to him and said, Why are you sitting here? What's happening to you? That man said, You speak lies. He said, What's, What lie did I speak? And then he said, You said God forgives sinners? I am the dirtiest sinner in the world. He cannot love me. He cannot forgive me. C.T. Studd had compassion and love. And he spoke to this man and said, Look here, Jesus loves you. He died for every man. This man was totally transformed. He humbled himself, cried. And he was transformed. Immediately, he went out and he began to preach God's word. And people caught hold of him. They put, took him to the village square, made him lie down on the face. They thrashed him with cane 2,000 times on his back. His back became like a red jelly. They, they thought he was dead, but some of the believers took care of him. They nursed him back to health. And again, he began to preach God's word. Dear friends, I tell you, there is no sinner who can say, well, God's love cannot reach out to me. This is the depth of God's love. What about the height of Christ's love? Dear friends, from the depth of the cross, we can look up to the height of God's love. Psalm 103, 10 to 13 says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards us, for those who fear him. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. So dear friends, God's love is so much. His grace is so much. When we love him, when we fear him, his mercy is so much. As the distance is from heaven and uh, from earth to heaven. So dear friends, we must understand the depth of God's love, the height of God's love. God was rich in mercy because of his great love which he loved us. Even when we are dead in trespasses and sin. So dear friends, when we understand the uh, height of God's love, 
sworn in on the cross through Christ, we understand that God, when we fear God, His grace is so much. And Ephesians 2, 4 to 7 says, But God who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we are dead in trespasses, made us alive together, resurrected us together, and He has made it to sit together in the heavenlies. So our position in Christ is in the heavenlies. We who had been thrown away into this world, in the dirt of this world, who were wallowing in the miry clay of this world, God has raised us in Jesus Christ. He has made us to sit together in Christ in the heavenly places. So this speaks about the dimensions of God's love. Dynamic 5 that we understand in the uh, intercessory prayer that St. Paul was offering for the people at Ephesus. Know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now dear friends, when we follow Christ, we must understand his fullness is there. Colossians 2.9 says, For in Jesus dwells all the fullness of God bodily. And you are complete in Him. You know, when we talk about completion in Him, it's not um, total perfection. Any time of a spiritual growth, we can be complete in Him. And all the fullness of God dwells bodily in Jesus. And we can receive all the fullness that God has in store for us. Know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God that is available for us. When fullness of God is in us, what do we lack? We can be powerful in our prayer life. We can be positive in our approach in the ministry. We can definitely be fruitful in our ministry. And in closing, a gracious promise and a benediction, we read it in verse 19 to 21. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly about all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Dear friends, God's power is working in us and God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we ask or think. What, what, what does it mean? He is able to perform his perfect plans in our life. And also all the plans and purposes that God had for us in our ministry, God can work through us. You know, faith is not wishful thinking. It's not wishful thinking. It speaks about total surrender before the Lord, understanding the fullness of God, longing to be complete in Him so that the Spirit of God can work in and through us. So here the Word of God says, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we think or ask. Some people misunderstand this word, misinterpret this word. They say, well, you just believe on the Lord, go to Him and ask for one crore, He'll give you five crores. No. The context must be understood. Here it speaks about the character that we can have in the presence of God, the fullness of God. So to have the fullness of God, we can definitely go to God and ask what we require. God can give more because in the presence of God, in Jesus Christ, all the graces are there. We can receive the spiritual blessings in Jesus Christ. By way of benediction, he says, To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. I tell you, my dear friends, when we understand Jesus, our hearts, are, hearts must be able to, um, I mean, full, heart must be full of joy. Heart must be full of joy and gratitude. And the glory has been given to us. And the glory of God is for all generations. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. I tell you, friends, when we serve God with all our heart, we must understand that He has paved the way for us by His own grace, by His own power, by the Holy Spirit. When we do what we, what we have to do, 
what is expected for us to do. We must give all the glory to God. We have no right to receive God's glory. When we are humble enough and do what God wants us to do, definitely we will be fruitful. There was a man of God whose name was Dr. William Leslie. In 1912, he from USA, he went to a place called Congo and he was ministering for the Lord there for 17 years. And he was a pharmacist. He was ministering God's word there for 17 years. Some ministry was being done, but a lot of problems were there. When he came home, he came as a dejected person. He thought that nothing has been done. I am a useless person. And after some time, he died. After 84 years of his ministry, they found that in the place where he was serving the Lord, there is a chain of churches hidden in, in Congo. This man did not know what he had done, but God was able to use him. I tell you, friends, we must be humble and simple and yield ourselves to the Lord so that God can use us because all the glory goes to him. We should never, ever take any glory for ourselves. May the Lord bless you this day, friends, and make you people who are filled by the power of the Holy Spirit and follow these principles in your life so that you can intercede for others. Shall we look to God in prayer? Loving Heavenly Father, what a great joy to understand dynamics of intercessory prayer from St. Paul's letter to Ephesians. St. Paul was able to have those points in his own life. He experienced them in his life and he was able to pray for the church. Lord God, I pray that you may help me and, and help all who have heard your message today, heard your word today, to cultivate prayer life to have these qualities of knowing God's will and also being rooted and grounded in love so that when they try to pray for others, their intercessory prayer will be effective. I give you all the glory, O Lord. I give you all the glory. Let me have the joy in serving you. In Jesus' almighty name I pray. Amen. Dear friends, the Lord bless you this day and continue to use you mightily for his own kingdom.